This is the Bible in Depth with PJ. Join us as we take a deeper look into scriptures and study the Word of God together. Now here is Pastor Jim. Hey, we're back, and we're going to talk about effective prayer today. But before we do, I need to finish off last week. One last thought, because we're talking about being the best employee. But we didn't talk about being a good boss. And Paul is going to finish up the thought on being a good boss. Now, you got to understand, we're looking at uh, this whole idea of the slave-slave-owner relationship. Closest thing we have in the New Testament, really, to boss-employee relationship. Now, in those days, the slave owner, he could do whatever he wanted with the slave. So when Paul comes along and gives him some biblical guidance on how to treat the slaves, this is like, this is like wild. This is going against the grain, going against the culture. Because have you ever noticed that Christianity does go against the culture, my friends? Because the culture is governed by the God of this world, is what it says. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one, the New Testament teaches. So Paul comes along and he says, there's a couple things that you bosses need, need to do. And, and in Colossians 4 and verse 1, he says this, Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. Okay, first thing Paul says is, you treat them justly. You know what justly means? It means to fulfill your obligations. So how does that practically play out for us? Well, look it. If your employee is doing their job, and this is what you said you're going to pay them, guess what? Pay them. They worked. They put the hours in. You pay them. Don't cheat them. Don't shortchange them. But let's take this further. Someone comes to your home. You've hired them, Christian, to come and, I don't know, build something, do something, fix something. Pay them. Don't make them have to keep calling for you. When I can, when can I get the money? Don't make them having to keep coming by your house. When can I get the money? Because guess what you're doing? You are, number one, shortchanging them. And secondly, your word's no good. And if your word's no good, your testimony's no good. If your testimony's no good, why should anyone want to be a Christian? Because all you've let them do now is say, there's another hypocrite right there. Why should I be a Christian? There's no real Christians. Be the real deal, guys. Be the real deal. Then Paul says, treat them fairly. The word fair means to treat them, get this, now this is a mind blower for that day, treat them as an equal. Whoa, don't treat your employees like dirt. Treat them with respect. Treat them with dignity. Don't think you're better than them. Don't think you're above them. <clears throat> but the big question is why? Why shouldn't a boss think he or she is above their employee? Because as a Christian, you know, at least you should know, you're not the boss. You have a boss in heaven. That's what he says in that verse. You have a boss in heaven who you must answer to. And his name is Jesus. And so therefore, you answer to your boss and your boss really loves you and he treats you with respect and dignity. So treat your employees with respect and dignity. Enough said. So let's go into prayer. I'm going to read uh, Colossians 
4, 2, 3, and 4 today, and it says, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I also have been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Okay, here we go. We're going to break down the elements of prayer. <clears throat> and hopefully this motivates us to develop a prayer life. The first thing Paul says is, be faithful. Just be faithful. How do I know that? He says, devote yourselves to prayer. When you're devoted to something, it means stick with it. Stick with it. Don't just start for a little bit and say, well, I'll never do that again. Now, let, let, let's be clear. Prayer is not the easiest thing to be disciplined in for most of us Christians. <clears throat> there are some of you, though, you are masters at sitting still before God. You're great at it. Most of us, we fight ourselves in those prayer times because we like being busy or our mind is all over the place. How many know what I mean? <clears throat> It almost feels like for some of us that I'm not accomplishing anything, when in reality we really are. No, I'll be honest with you. I've had to fight myself many times to stay disciplined in this. Stay disciplined because I'm the type that likes to stay busy. I'm the type that my mind starts to move all over the place. So you know what I do in my prayer times? Helps me tremendously. <clears throat> I keep my Bible open. In my prayer time, I'll just keep my Bible open. And if my mind wanders, I'll just read some scripture and then I'll get back to prayer. It helps me stay focused. Otherwise, I start moving all over the place. Now, let me give you some more thoughts on, on de being devoted. <clears throat> you can't just pray when you feel like it. You know why? Because you'll rarely feel like it. It's a lot easier to do something else. You can't just pray when you're in a crisis. Now, I'm not saying not to pray when you're in a crisis, Please pray when there's a crisis. But you can't only pray when you're in a crisis. I mean, think about it. How many people, they only come to God when they're in trouble or something's gone wrong? How many people, the only time they rush back to church fellowship is when there's a crisis? And if that's the way you live your life, when the, you know how it ends. When the crisis is over, then your relationship with God goes on a suspension where you drift away and you're gone again until the next crisis. There's no growth there. There's nothing there. Now, be devoted. The second thing is be watchful, he says. How do I know what that means? Well, he says keeping alert in it. And what does he mean by that? Well, he means simply engage your whole being in your prayer time. Find the quietest place around the house or somewhere where you're not going to be interrupted, where you can really engage in this whole thing. <clears throat> Here's what I mean. There's an aspect of prayer that I'll just call sensitivity. You ever notice how some people are so sensitive to the needs of the people around them? Have you ever noticed that? and you don't pick up on that, but they can pick up on it. You know why? 
because we all see what we're personally looking for. See, they're focused. They're watchful. They're sensitive to people around them. They're looking for it. And when you look for it, you stay alert in it and you find it. In your prayer time, you got to stay focused. You got to stay alert. Because you all, we all see what we're looking for. Be sensitive in it. Because the Holy Spirit who dwells in you and in me, he might just drop some nuggets in us. He might drop some thoughts in us to pray for something that we weren't even thinking about. To pray for something in another country, he might even pop a name in there and don't think you're making it up. Just pray that name out in that country. You just don't know. Because now what you're doing in your alertness is you're partnering with the Spirit of God who lives in you and wants to work with you and wants you and I to work with Him. Remember, your mind is Holy Spirit user-friendly. You ever thought that? Have you ever thought that some of those thoughts you're getting at times, they're not just random crazy thoughts, they could be really Holy Spirit thoughts in the moment to pray for somebody? Or to go to that co-worker and he's going to go ask that co-worker, how they doing? How's the family? You don't know. And you don't know unless you act out on these things. And see, sometimes you'll be wrong. I've been wrong before. But many times it's been on the money when I have the guts to step out in the in being sensitive and alert to what the Spirit's dropping in my head. Now, the third thing is be thankful. He says, with an attitude of thanksgiving. Listen, followers of Christ, <clears throat> in your prayer time, you can't, you can't just make it a time you ask for stuff. It, it just can't be like, Lord, do this, do this, do this, do this. I covered the 15 things I want you to do, Jesus, for me. All that is being a selfish little baby, selfish child. No, you got to grow up. I'm not telling you not to ask God for stuff or to ask for certain prayers answered. But there's way more to it than that. Try this. When you go to bed at night, as you close your eyes, just kind of whisper to yourself, or when you're driving to work by yourself, just say it out loud to yourself. Or when you're getting ready in the morning and no one else listens to you, try, in any situation like that, just try for two minutes, three minutes, maybe five, start thanking God verbally for every good thing in your life that you can think of. Just do that. Start thanking God. Develop an attitude of gratitude. You know why that's important? No. Do you know why that's important? Let me show you why. I'm going to go to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. And here's what it says. Be anxious for nothing. That's something. Don't be anxious about anything. Yeah. It says, but, here's what you do instead. But in everything by prayer mm, and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Oh, well, that's interesting right there. Why, um, why do supplication and thanksgiving in prayer why do they fit together so well? Let me explain why. Supplication means request. You're asking God. I need 
to temper that with thanksgiving as some people have learned the hard way. If I just keep asking and asking and asking without thanksgiving, I have no contentment. An attitude of gratitude, thanksgiving, gives me contentment. I'm okay with what I have. I'm okay with this. But if I don't have thanksgiving in my prayer times, all I'm going to do is supplicate, request, give me, and too many people have learned the hard way and jumped ahead of God because God, give me this, give me this, and you go out and do it, and you go out and buy it, and you go out and get yourself in deeper debt, and you go because you have no contentment. You can't wait for anything. You just, you just jump, and then you have so much regret, and it has to do with stuff, has to do with relationships, has to do with everything. Contentment, thanksgiving gives us an attitude of contentment, a disposition. We're okay. I don't have to jump fast. I can wait for God to say yes, no, or not now, or no, that's not for you ever. (laughs) And that's a good thing, to have contentment. I got a question. Look, how content are you with your life? And I'm not telling you not to increase, not to invest, not to grow, not to, um, you know, whatever, get the, I'm not telling you that. But are you content with where you're at? Are you content with what you have? Because if you are, you're going to be a lot more level-headed. You're going to think things through a lot better, and you just won't jump. You just won't jump. Too many people medicate their emotions by jumping ahead of God saying, I want that, give me that, and they jump ahead and they get themselves in situations. And you know, and I both know, that when you buy stuff to give you happiness because you jumped ahead, you and I both know that's like Sunday mornings when I talk about that fig leaf, they broke the fig leaf off to cover up their shame, I'm bad and I'm wrong, remember that? That fig leaf, once alive, is now dying. When you first, and it's an inanimate object now, When you first get stuff, it's alive. It feels really good. But like that fig leaf, it's dying. It cannot give you life. You need contentment. Contentment in your life. That's a great thing to have contentment. I could really go a little farther, but I'll leave that one right there. The fourth thing is, he says is this, be specific. He says, praying at the same time for us as well. That God may open up a open up to us a door for the word. Question, you answer me. Is that prayer general or is it specific? What is it? I think I heard you say it's specific. Okay. Why? Why is it specific? Because it has purpose behind it. There's a specific purpose in that prayer. Question. <clears throat> Why should I pray specifically? Well, let me answer that with an illustration. Have you ever had a family member, they're going to go pick up food for dinner? Let's say it's Del Taco. Now, they go, you give them your order. My order is specific. 
two Del Beef burritos for $5, because that's the deal there, no cheese, 10 packets of mild Del Taco sauce, because I like the taste of that one. The Scorcho, I don't like the taste. That's what I want. I asked for it specifically. So when they come back, I'm looking in there because I expect what? Two Del Beef burritos, five bucks, no cheese, 10 packets of mild Del Taco hot sauce. This is what I expect because this is what I specifically asked for. Prayer is exactly like that. You are, we are, we pray specifically to God because how else are we going to know if God answered us or not? Unless it's specific. How else will you even know this? Unless it's specific. And when you pray specific and you, and you keep devoted in it and you see what you're looking for and you stay alert in it, when God answers that, doesn't that increase your faith in it? Doesn't that let you know that God is alive and He knows you? And He knows you're there and He knows your needs? See, we all need that. Give you one last thought and we'll close this one up. Specific. I've shared so many stories about Olivia and I and you're hearing more of them now in this latest series, but this series that I've been doing on Cycle Breaker. Um, but did you know that Olivia and I, when we first dated, we broke up? Yeah, we broke up. She broke up with me. Can you, can you believe this? How is she going to get a better deal than this? <laughs> well, I was heartbroken, you know, because she was disobedient to God. <laughs> now, but I started to pray. And I was specific. I prayed. I said, God, I just really think that she is that person for me. I just really believe that. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. And I prayed for six months. It was almost six months to the day. And God finally answered that specific prayer. And now we have married 40 years. But here's the thing. I was specific. This is who I want, God. This is what I want. And God, in His grace and His mercy, answered that prayer. That's how you know God is real many times, because He answers your prayers specifically. Specifically. So be specific. Amen. We're going to stop now. Hopefully these four components helped you in your prayer time. God bless you. We'll see you later. Thank you for joining us. If you have any questions or need prayer, please send us an email to hello at nbcc.com. We'd love it if you would subscribe to this podcast and take a second to rate it. Until then, we'll see you next time.